This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Trad Patrick joins us. Good morning. It's the 12th day of October 2023. He didn't know he was joining us. He just happened to answer the phone. Trad Patrick, we got so much to talk about. Is it is <laughs> What should I ask you about first? Can we start with Trump? You go right ahead. <clears throat> Do you think that Trump is going to win given the fact that he is the Tel Aviv to Jerusalem diplomacy president? I mean, he's he's more Jewish than anybody who's ever run for president. Um, I think that's one of the reasons he will win. The country is the majority of Republicans and moderates, what have you, agree with them. Yeah. That's the reality of the country today. And, and, and I've said this many times uh, myself, um, but I don't, I don't have a bone to pick in this fight. Either way, it, it's, it's a bad outcome, right? That's the reality uh, for, for us. Um, as Catholics, neither side is our, our friend, uh, as far as I'm concerned, but you've got two sides and one side's going to say, Hey, I'm going to be for, for those guys. And the other side says, oh, I'm not going to be for those guys. And, and they're not going to come out and they're going to say the silent power love. They're going to say, I'm not for those guys, but the reality is the reality. This is the world we live in today. So I believe he's still going to, I still believe do you think he some, actually runs against Biden? Do you think Biden gets the nomination? Do you think they actually run Biden after the $6 billion to Iran thing? I don't think they have a choice. I think it's too late. Um, Biden coming into the race late the last time was a Hail Mary pass, as, as, as the saying likes to go, right? Um, and I don't think that, um, I don't think they have anybody else. Uh, some people have speculated Gavin Newsom. Uh, Gavin Newsom's just a nuisance. Um, I don't think he, he stands a chance outside of uh, California. Um, most, pe- most people, he's, he's hated by most people in the country. Uh, not, just, uh, not just the right wing. Uh, the left and everybody else is, is pretty much against him as well. But I don't think that they have a choice. I think that they've resigned themselves to the fact that they've lost, uh, they've lost the election. And so they're they're focusing on Congress and the Senate at this point. Uh, Can we go to the Congress for a second? I don't know how uh, closely you've been following all of this. It appears as though Steve Scalise is going to make a bid for the Speaker of the House. Steve Scalise famously shot in the head by some crazy uh, Trump deranged person. Um, Or was it a Bush deranged person? Gosh, I don't even know. It's been a while. Steve Scalise shot in the head. I think was, was that during the Obamacare day? Somebody correct me here. No, that was um, it was a, a, a congressional baseball game that was attacked by, I believe it was um, a liberal, a liberal lunatic, uh, who went out to um, attack a Republicans. And I don't believe he was shot in the head. I believe he was shot in the head, uh, was uh, where he was shot. 
Um, But he doesn't have the votes currently. He can only afford to lose four Republicans. And right now there's, uh, I believe, seven that are are refusing to vote for him. those, uh, I, I believe at least, I believe at least four of them will, will end up being convinced to turn, uh, Matt Gates himself. Uh, you think Gates the, is uh, going to turn? Gates already has. He's already said he would support Scalise, uh, or Scalise or however you pronounce his name. Well, aren't, aren't um, you the Arab? Wouldn't you know how to pronounce Scalise? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we don't pronounce names like that. It's Mohammed Mustafa. <laughs> um, but we, we're living in a, we're living in a, in a strange world today. I mean, uh, Gates probably views him as as more right than McCarthy, and understandably, knowing that none of the real MAGA or America First or whatever you want to call them, uh, Congress people are going to get you know that level in Congress at this point. So I think he's like you said. I think Gates is smart enough to know to a degree, you know, who, who he can kind of trust. And I think, uh, I think the, uh, movie theater Groper, um, <laughs> she's actually supporting him. Uh, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene is no, you know, she's, she's only going to vote for Trump and, um, that's it. I mean, she's got a complete love affair with Trump. So MTG's interesting. Didn't she support McCarthy and now she's trying to act strong? I mean, come on. She didn't support McCarthy originally. She was one of the holdouts. Um, she, she was one of the first to turn during the negotiations. Yeah, yeah. she was easy. She was easy to turn. Is what is, that's my point. Um, you know, I look at this differently, right? I think, I think when you're a politician, it's like being in business, right? Sometimes you've got to make some decisions on the fly, and sometimes you, like in business, you've got to support uh, some decisions or some people who you probably don't agree with a hundred percent but you play the game, right? And it's a numbers game, right? And you hope that your number comes out and you're, you're higher or lower or whatever else it is. You hope you're in that position, right? That you get yourself into that, that power click. And that's, that's where you hope to affect change. But the reality is, is that, is that politics in America doesn't affect change anymore. There is no such thing as change in politics in America. We don't have it, right? And I think, I think the nice thing I say, I say this, and a lot of people get mad when I say this. The nice thing about this war uh, in the Middle East is, I think it's it's really uniting, like nine eleven did. It's uniting a lot of people around the opposite of nine eleven, where most Americans wanted to go to war. Now it's uniting people around the idea of we don't want to go to war, right? <laughs> Let me and, play you Lindsey Graham. Uh, he says we're in a religious war. And he stands with Israel, of course. We're in a religious war here. I am with Israel. Do whatever the hell you have to do to defend yourself. Level the place. We're in a religious... All right. So did you hear that? I don't know if if the audio goes through to the cell phone. If it does, it's pretty cool. I got it. Um, I got it. (laughs) We're in a religious war. Yeah, but you see, I think he he has uh, historical illiteracy. Um, so there's never been a, a religious war in the history of mankind where the Jewish people and the Christian people stood together or the Muslim people and the Christian people stood together. It was always one of those three sides against one of the other of the three sides. And so, yes, religious wars are real. There's always been a war between the Jews and the Muslims, the Christians and the Muslims, 
the Jews and the Christians, the, and, and it just, it, it's secular, right? There's never been a quote unquote war that would have benefited two sides, right? Because all three sides are diametrically opposed to each other. While two of those sides are almost identical because if we speak from a religious aspect alone, the only thing separating Islam from Judaism is one believes Abraham killed his son. The other one believes he didn't. So that's the only difference from their dietary functions to everything else. They are basically the same, which is why when the Christians went to crusade against the Muslims, the Jews didn't support us. When the Jews originally went to war against the Muslims, the Christians didn't support them. So, you know, the only common denominator here is that the Jews and the Christians have always all fought against the Muslims. We've never fought together against them. But there's never been an out-and-out war between the Jews and the Christians. So if you look at it historically, there's never been a war. So we could say historically there's never been a war between Christianity and Judaism. And that would be true. There hasn't been. So it's, it's, it's what I like to call an uneasy peace truce that has lasted for thousands of years. Um, the closest you got to it was when the Romans went to war against Israel uh, way back in the day, but they were pagan at the time, so it doesn't really count. Uh, so Lindsey Graham, I, I think, is historically illiterate like everybody else. Well, and views this thing as some sort of uh, crusade, if you would, against Islam. Now, here's the thing. Both sides are wrong. And I'll say this. I'll say this right now. Both sides are wrong in this conflict. Okay. You and this is and let me pause. Trad Patrick joins the Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Trad Patrick, you have been pilloried in the public square even years after your departure from the public eye. And it is it is assumed that you're this Racist, bigot, sexist, anti-Semite pig. And here you are condemning Palestinian violence and saying both sides are wrong. I, I just I just want to underscore the importance of you saying that. Uh, and I'm glad that you're saying it here. Please continue. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously people don't get humor anymore, um, which is, you know, what I, I used to do. But it's it's true. The Palestinians are wrong. They invaded a, a music event, which happened when Muslims did it to the Christians, too, um, in the recent past. Uh, they invaded. They killed innocent people. Regardless if some of the stories are exaggerated or not, the truth is that the Palestinians went and they did kill innocent people. Now, we have, as Catholics, an understanding of war. And it was put forth by Great St. Augustine of just war. And the difference is a lot of people take the whole idea of total war, right? Total war is an abomination. Total war is the idea that you annihilate your enemy, right? Well, the Catholic church does not agree with such a thing. The Catholic teaching of the doctors and the fathers of the church do not agree with such a thing. We agree in a just war. So if, if the Muslims had invaded military outposts and military targets, they would have been in a just war. Now, Israel goes and does responds in kind and bombs civilian targets. Well, they are now in that just war and they're outside, I mean, total war, and they're outside the bounds of what we consider a just 
war. And of course, a lot of people misunderstand it. And they're like, oh, no, war is good. No, war to, to a point is good. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. War is necessary. War is necessary to receive, re- revive economies, to expand boundaries, to take control. But you attack military targets, military personnel. You don't go after innocent civilians. Both sides have done it. Both sides are wrong. And both sides should be condemned. If we had a just society, both sides would be condemned by the international, uh, you know, cabal, but it, the UN. But you don't get you don't get nuance in uh, in international cabal politics. Global homo is never going to make a distinction uh, like uh, con- condemning both sides. Trad Patrick, they're going to you know the neocon hawks uh, hacks like Nikki Haley are going to line up. But and- let's step back because I want the American people to kind of take this in for a second. Just imagine that here the Israelis woke up and communities were bombarded. Families were murdered. Women and children were taken hostage, dragged through the streets. The elderly were taken. All of this has happened in front of everyone, on top of thousands of rockets that hit Israel. This should be personal for every woman and man in America. Why? Because when they did this, when they did this surprise attack, when they took these hostages, when they murdered these families, they were celebrating. And what were they celebrating? They were saying death to Israel, death to America. This is not just an attack on Israel. This is an attack on America. This is not an attack on Israel. This is an attack on America. I mean, it's a, it's 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 definitely a, a giant leap for womankind, if you would, to jump to such great and outstanding conclusions. What what the problem is is that our politics today, Miss, is that any of them served in the military, right? You get the rare few. You get. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow over there in Congress, right? Uh, you get, um, you get. Uh, He's such a turd. Everyone loved him at first. He was like a Tea Party darling and whatever, and then he just became an absolute turd. Yeah, well, he he, he was a Navy SEAL, so he didn't start there. But that would take a whole other story. There you go. But. Um, then you've got, you know, Ron DeSantis, you know, who probably at best is a, as a commander in the Navy Reserve. He's probably like in charge of like logistics or something like that. But we don't have we've lost the, the, the politician that was a career military guy that was out there in the trenches and fighting and understanding. And, and, and prior to our, our, our homosexual military that we have today, I'm talking about the old school military up into the mid nineties where it was still like, you know, a guy grew up and he wanted to go and fight and, you know, he wanted to wear the uniform with pride and distinction, but we missed that. And so what do we have instead? We have cackling hags like Nikki Haley. We have, we have, uh, you know, uh, what is he, uh, 68 year old single guy with no children. So that means he's probably a homosexual Lindsey Graham. Um, you know, you, you have these people who have never sacrificed an ounce of their body for anything telling you what a war is, who have never understood and studied battlefield tactics, never understood the, 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 the great battles throughout history from Alexander the Great to the Spartans to, to, 
uh, recent history in World War II. They've never studied any of it. They don't understand it. So they look at this and they say, ooh, rockets. Rockets, red glare. Mm. Um, but the reality is she doesn't say about the rockets that are being launched from Tel Aviv into Gaza. Now, here's the other thing that they don't tell you. Gaza is a strip. By definition, a strip is in between two land masses. Thus, Egypt is not letting them in either. Now, the flip side of this is not everybody in Palestine is Muslim. Matter of fact, there's a great many Christians that live in that area. Some of the oldest Christian communities, like the Coptic Christians, live in those communities. Yeah. They don't support Hamas. Yeah. But they live there. And by definition, they're getting bombarded. They're getting shelled. So getting back to the idea of just war, Israel is committing an offense. Palestine is committing an offense. You don't go after women and children. That is rule number one. That has been rule number one since the dawn of war. Yes, we could go back and we could talk about Vikings and all these other people. Yes, they were barbarians. That's why we call them that, right? But the Romans didn't do that. The Greeks didn't do that. They didn't go after innocent women and children, okay? This is barbaric, and it's barbaric on both sides, and both sides should be condemned. And that's what our community our, our, Well, our we're not going mean, to get that. No, no, nobody in our political community is going to get that. But I want to I talk about one of the treasures of Christendom. Uh, to your point, one of the oldest churches in the region, 1,600 years old. The Church of St. Porphyrius in Gaza has been destroyed by the Jews. Full- I believe that that came out false, though, didn't it? That the, the brothers from the church actually said that the church is fine. Oh, is that true? Oh, yeah, well, that actually, oh, well, that actually came out to be propaganda. Yeah. That actually... Thanks be to God. The, the, yes, they actually came out and said that didn't happen. Just like even... Well, just like the, 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 Israeli- the, 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 the massacring of the babies. The Israelis said that they found all these decapitated babies. Not true. Uh, I go back. Go back. So we have to be careful. We don't want to be the same people as the other side. It wasn't the Israelis. Matter of fact, the Israelis condemned us for reporting it because they said there's no proof that that happened. This was CNN. This was CNN. This was MSNBC. This was Fox News. They're all agreeing for one time on one thing. Let's spread as much misinformation in this whole thing as we possibly can. Because the real tragedy in this whole thing, the real tragedy, is that we have American citizens that are living there. For right or wrong reasons, living there in both Gaza and Israel. And our president says, good luck, you're on your own. He has no plan. He has no plan to to evacuate the American citizens. Just like he had no plan to evacuate us out of Afghanistan. Well, that's another story. Too. I, mean, I mean, literally, Germany, people, France, and Italy yeah, go ahead. sent military jets to evacuate their people. That's because they're proper countries. I mean, well, I mean, they they have issues too. But we, dude, we we. I look at I look at Joe Biden. Let's talk about Biden just for a second. It's easy. It's easy to attack the really obvious things about Joe Biden. He's a goofball. He says some wacky stuff, always has. He's very confused half the time. He's clearly in mental decline. Those are easy things to attack. Those are things that, you know, your standard right-wing, cuck-servative talk radio is going to go after. 
you know, forgetful Joe or whatever. They're going to come up with some clever name that mocks the fact that he is an old man who is losing his wits. But I would argue to you, Trad Pat, and I want to hear uh, your either rebuttal or, or rejoinder or, or agreement with this. I would argue that he's really not as fully in decline as people would like to believe. In fact, I think some conservatives, conservatives, are trying to have their cake and eat it too. He's either the criminal mastermind at the center of a, of a crime family, the Biden crime syndicate, you know, with, with uh, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of slush fund money slushing around as, as, as he sells access to the presidency to the highest bidder and is living in the, in the pocket of the Chinese. Or he's a bumbling, dimwit idiot that doesn't know where he is most of the time. But it cannot be both of those things at the same time. And most conservative cucktard, you know, Mark, the Mark Levins of the world are going to pull a fast one on you because that's what Jews do. And they're going to tell you two things that can't both simultaneously be true at the same time, but he's going to tell them to you as if they're both true anyway. And our education system in this country is so poor. We don't grant if grammar is racist, grammar is antecedent to logic. And so you can't even get to logic if you can't do grammar. And most people's grammar is so poor. They'll never get to, uh, to rhetoric, you know, uh, 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 out of out of the logical phase, and so when a when a ret- rhetorician, right, <laughs> uh, like Mark Levin, makes a basic, fundamental, logical error, like telling you two things are both true at the same time that can't possibly be both true at the same time, most people cannot even detect it, and they just lap it up. Trad Patrick, what say you about uh-huh. Joe Biden? I agree with that because we don't have an intellectual class in, in the West anymore, period. It doesn't matter if it's America, Germany, France, Italy, Spain. We don't have an intellectual class. We have a class of people who get up every day and right or wrong. You know, I, I don't blame normies. I really don't. They want to get up every day. You want to do their job. You're getting soft in your old age. Well, it, it's, it's, I don't know if it's the old age. I think it's just you, you get to an idea and you realize, right? The average guy just wants to get up, work, provide for his family, keep his family safe, and doesn't want to get involved in all this stuff, right? He just wants to stay out of it. And like I said, the good thing coming out of this is that they're saying, you know what, we don't want to do this. Most veterans are saying, I wouldn't go back if you paid me. I'm not fighting. I'm not spilling my blood over there anymore. Yeah. And Biden has, has captivated the soul of the stupid, right? And he's not, I, I, I've said this all along, he's not as, as senile as people think. He actually pretty much has his faculties, and we could talk about him falling down and stuff. He's 80 years old. Look, for him to be out doing what he's doing at 80 years old, I mean, look, he's going to fall, right? But we think, as you said, that he's a bumbling idiot because Fox News tells us that, but he's not. What he is, is he's a die-in-the-wool ideologue. And he believes what he believes, and there's nobody's going to take that away from him. And you you look at what he did in Afghanistan, right? I, I love this point right now. A former operator said this on, on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, the other day. 
He said, it's going to be funny to see the pictures of the guys in the $300 Blackwater tactical gear picking up the M4s from the dead bodies of Hamas mm-hmm. so they can dip them in acid and nobody will find out. Well, that's the reality. If somebody went over to Afghanistan, got all these guns and weapons that Biden left, Biden funded a $6 billion payoff to Iran, still has access to that $6 billion. Because why? Because as I said earlier, there's only one thing that stops Biden from losing. They can't steal the election again. It's too obvious. It's war. It's war. And here's the thing. They think that he's weak. And they might be right. But here's the danger side. They could be wrong. Because here's what happens. Let's play this scenario out. Biden sits back in his chair in the Oval Office and he still starts talking about BLM and all the nonsense, right? Completely forgetting all this. And once in a while he says, oh, we stand with Israel, right? He waits. China sees all weakness. China invades Taiwan. That kicks off. Now America's interests are being attacked because everybody will say we have no interest in -hmm. Israel. And they're right. All and they we were and they the were right. Machine. They were right when we when they said it about Ukraine and Russia. And that, my friend, is a very interesting theory because what you're proposing is that there is a three-phase um tactical or strategic play here where in act 1 of this of of this uh this drama we quote unquote deplete all of our strategic reserves, our ammunition and our strategic oil reserves in defense of Ukraine. And then in act two with this Mideast stuff, we say, look, all we can do is just give you some strategic air support. We can't commit boots on the ground, but Israel do your thing, turn it to glass. We're, we're fine with it. Here's some money that will allow China, the breathing room to do whatever they want to Taiwan. And Taiwan actually does affect our way of life. You know, Israel doesn't affect our way of life except for like it being the epicenter of pornography and faggotry and vaccines and modified food and whatever. So like Israel's effect on our life is mostly bad anyway. Taiwan's effect on our life, like Taiwan affects whether or not your voice signal comes into this sound mixer and is multiplexed with my voice and broadcast out on crusadechannel.com. So we kind of need Taiwan and we need the, some of the technology there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's an interesting point that you make that with two wars going on, one in Europe, one in the Mideast, that the Orient is being ignored. And there probably needs to be a pivot there. And that pivot probably is what keeps Biden in the White House. Or, 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 here's where it gets funny. Or, Biden is a genius. And he sits back. And while he's sitting back, he's on the phone with Xi Jinping or Winnie the Pooh, whatever the hell his name is. (laughs) And he says, look, I know you're watching what's going on. Who's really in your best interest? Us? Russia? Or some backwater countries in the Middle East? Let's come to a deal. 
you don't do anything. And we'll continue to fund and everything else that we do with outsourcing and everything to Taiwan and China. And in a couple of years, we'll talk about a strategic alliance with China and Taiwan that benefits both of us. And when all these guys deplete themselves of money, of weapons, and everything else, there's two giants standing, China and America. That, that could be the more likely outcome because China sees the writing on the wall. China gets no real money from Russia. Russia doesn't buy anything. The average Russian is lucky if he can rub two rubles together and get a bottle of vodka. Okay. That's the reality of Russia. This whole idea with the right wing humping the leg of Putin, it's, it's complete ridiculous stupidity. Mm. Russia is a bankrupt country. The average Russian is lucky if he has a, a bowl of borscht and a shot of vodka every night. That's the reality. It hasn't changed since the seventies. Okay. Russia's not running around with a bunch of billionaires and millionaires. There's a handful of oligarchs there that are rich. That's it. China's bread and butter has always been since Nixon allowed it and uh, Clinton opened it up. America. America is why China has a lot of people don't realize this. They think everybody in China works for a dollar a day in a sweatshop. No, the reality is there are a lot of millionaires in China. Mm. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. They think that China is this overly Marxist country. At best, China is Marxist in government, but capitalist in the sheets. And that's the reality. They're, 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 that is who they are. Let me, they're let, capitalists at heart. Let me throw a monkey wrench into the discussion here with Trad Patrick. We're talking about global affairs. Uh, whether or not this, this war in the Mideast is, is part two of a three-act play. And whether or not the true action is going to be in the in the Indo-Pacific region uh, once everything goes hot in the Mideast. My, my wrench in the monkey works here, and I'm so glad that you're here because you're one of the few people that I can interview, I think, who would understand this question even and be able to articulate an answer to it. And I, and I didn't pre-determine any of this with you. I didn't give you any talking points. I didn't give you an outline or anything like that. Trad Patrick. No, you called me while I was sitting in bed getting ready to eat my dinner. You did. You um, you answered the phone and I played the intro music. That was my hello. I didn't even say hello. <laughs> you said hello and you heard the intro music. Now. I have a gin and tonic though. Uh, that's good. I finished my G&T and I'm working on some Larceny Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey right now in the same glass. Um, My question is about whether or not it's 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 a nuanced question okay it's it's a lofton question you may be right that the standard of living both in china and russia are not very impressive but when you talk about running out of money um i start to think like what is money most of the global currency is based on the U.S. dollar, or a lot of it is. The U.S. dollar is based on nothing. It's a fiat currency. It's based on the government's plan to kill people who don't pay their taxes. That's how, they, that's how the government's uh, fiat currency works. Russia and China, 
for the last 30 years have been buying gold. Stockpiling, Mm -hmm. stockpiling, stockpiling gold. So I would ask you whether or not you thought it possible that actually Russia is a far wealthier nation than no. than than perhaps the pe- the the poverty of the people would um would imply because they have gold and we have none. Fort Knox has no gold. I would I would answer that with the simple question. Does the government of Russia have gold? Yes. Does the government of China now I would refute that by saying in standard of living, I've been to China many times. The standard of living amongst what I would call the middle class, upper middle class of China is actually on par, if not above par, with that of us here in America. The the governments may be buying gold, but at very small rates. The reason America doesn't have it is because the American people have it. The American populace owns it. Whereas the average Russian and the average Chinese can't go out and buy gold the way we can. We can go on TV late at night, see a phone number, call it up and say, hey, here's my debit card. Give me $20,000 worth of gold. And then they have $20,000 worth of gold coins sitting in their safe in their, in their house. So there's a difference. Okay, there's a big difference. When you talk about money, too, the money you carry around in your pocket, it's worth only that which the people selling goods to you say it's worth, right? So take, for example, I've been saying this for a while. 20 years ago, I could go to the store with my wife with $100, and I could buy enough groceries for a week. Fast forward to today, I spent $100 in the store. I'm barely walking out with a bag full of goods. Because the money itself doesn't change. The corporations change that money based upon the inflation rates. And the inflation rates are based upon things like GDP and all these other nonsensical things, consumer confidence indexes and all these other things. And you could have a a six month course explaining this to people. And I think that's part of the problem is the average right winger uh, is just as illiterate when it comes to economics as the average left winger. Um, the, The reality is when you look at it and you, you just plainly look at it, right? If you make $185,000, $195,000 a year today, if you went back 20 years ago, that was worth a half a million dollars. Okay. So your money lost $300,000 in change in value, not because it's fiat currency or anything like that. It's because we look at, we look at what money can buy the buying power of money in a different standard because of the way the world has changed. We haven't changed this. You look at the poverty rate indexes in the United States. They haven't changed since the 1970s. Okay. So a person making 185,000, $190,000 a year today is still considered, still considered the top 5%. But yet that person is making the average amount of money that the average Unix developer makes. Right. Okay. They're, they're not, it, it's, it's really what the average blue collar, uh, white collar Joe makes today. If you look at a plumber, for example, a plumber in a union working is making probably the equivalent of $120,000 a year. Again, that would have been worth a quarter of a million dollars 20 years ago. 
money changes. I agree. It's not based on anything, but money has always been based on. And, and one of the, the, the common misconceptions is money is based on the amount of gold that a government has and its reserves and blah, blah, blah. And it's backed by this. That hasn't happened for a very long time. We're talking centuries. What money is based upon is three simple things. Consumer confidence, inflation, and buying power. That's it. That's all they're based on. And so governments take advantage of that and they manipulate it. But that being said, if you were to strictly look at three or four indicators, China and America are the two richest countries in the world. Europe is dying. A lot of people don't realize this. Europe is dying. Europe is dying for three reasons. Europe has no exports. Europe has an aging and declining population. And Europe has no industry. So it is dying. The, the, the might of the European empire, it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not coming back. That's that's what, you know. That's the harsh reality that a lot of a lot of people on the right don't want to hear. They're like, "Oh, you're I'm European." No, you're not. You're American. You may not like it, but you're American. You're second, third generation. You're American, and there is a difference. And that's what people don't understand. We live, and now a lot of us don't feel it, right? Because it's ridiculous. The price of housing is through the roof. Why? Speculation. That's what it is. That's what people don't understand. It's one of the worst words in the English language. Speculation. You know who used to ring the bell warning the world about speculators? Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly used to go on his show on Fox News all the time. He used to say, the price of oil, the price of housing is getting destroyed because of speculators. And you can do this any day of the week. Pull up MSN homepage and you'll see everybody and their brother speculating about the housing market going up the housing market going down. Whenever they speculate more in the fact that it's going up, the prices go up. Not because the value of the home is any different, but because the market is dictating the value of that home. Mm-hmm. You take the market out of the equation, the average three-bedroom, 1,500-square-foot home isn't worth more than $100,000. But because the homes are backed by the power of the market, the people buying the mortgage-backed securities mm-hmm. So again, the average guy goes, Hey, you say that, but I can't afford a home and I make a good salary. Well, that's, it's not the fault of your salary. It's the fault of the people speculating on the price of the, of the home. So you got to blame them. And it's, it's not always the them that we think it is. Cause a lot of times those guys have Anglo last names. Yeah, it's not always Goldbergs and Goldsteins and Goldensteins and whatever else uh, that are doing the speculations. I agree with that. Trad Patrick, we have to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to have Trad Patrick for our second segment on the show here. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. We'll be right back. Hey, I just met you. Heard you're a groomer. So here's your millstone. Good luck, loser. It's hard to look right when you're a pervert. So take your millstone. No kids will get hurt. 
gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean Down in the ocean Alongside that Titan sub Gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean Down Throw in, them in the, the ocean. ocean Gotta get them in the ocean, buddy Titanic sub Welcome back to the show, Tread Patrick joins us here on the Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio the way it should be This is Paratalk, your daily 10 a.m. Central Standard Time Addiction, your favorite show at 10 a.m. Go to crusadechannel.com slash parrot, P-A-R-R-O-T-T, and uh, there's a special waiting for you. If you use promo code parrot, you can become a Founders Trading Post member. Uh, shop at the Founders Trading Post. Go to shop.mychurch.com. Check it out. Get your coffee there at a minimum. Just, just change one habit. Go to shop.mychurch.com. And, uh, okay, so... I want to talk about the church now. We've been talking with Trad Patrick, the infamous. You've gone into hiding. You will only come up uh, for air every now and then, and you join us here on this radio station where we are allowed to just say what we actually think about things. It's the, refreshing. The church um, plays a role in the moral compass of the world. We, You started off with one of your opinions, which I thought was profound um, and probably would uh, explode the minds of many of your haters, which was that unrestricted warfare, total war committed either by jihadi Palestinians or by Zionist Jews is wrong. You cited St. Augustine, just war theory. What about the churchmen today? Or at least those who where the garbs of churchmen and I'm not sure if they're real or not. I don't, I, I don't know. Where is the Catholic church today to be the moral compass? Uh, since we don't have, you know, fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden, uh, saying anything productive. I don't, I, I don't believe that in the, the context of the business, let's say that of the Catholic church, that's how I look at it now. I, I've broken it down and I said, there's the business aspect of the church, which is the Cardinals and the Pope today. And then there's the, the faithful, the lady. And then there's the, you know, the offshoot groups and stuff like that. But the businessmen of the church, the Cardinals, the bishops, they're looking at it purely from the uh, standpoint of how do I get more people to sit in the pew. How do I get more people to give me money, to give the church money, to make our numbers bigger, to bolster our, and what do we have to do like that? So we can become like, we can become like Mormons. We can accept polygamy. We can accept remarriage. We can accept all of these things. Okay. We could also become like the, uh, the, the, um, uh, Anglicans, and the Protestants, and we could say, okay, we're going to bless same-sex unions. But mm -hmm. we're not really acknowledging that they're gay. We're just saying, hey, we're going to give this blessing, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's so it's gotten to that point. It's become less about religion, less about faith, less about saving souls, and more about bolstering numbers and bolstering the pocketbook, if you would, of the Vatican. And, and, and in reality... If you look at it, you know, we, we were duped, right? We were duped. We, you know, back in the 1960s, Catholics were duped. And they get into this whole Vatican II in, the, in, in that time frame, 60s, 70s, and they bring in 
this whole idea. And I said, okay, well, the church has to be more accepting. And to be more accepting, we have to say the Mass in the vernacular, right? Mm-hmm. And to do that, we have to face the congregation, right? So again, taking on that Protestant mindset, right? And so we're duped and we're like, oh, that makes sense, you know, having to learn Latin and everything like that. It's very old fashioned. Yes, we're okay with that. We're okay with that church. And we said, great. And we, we, we marched on for 50 years. Then the church adds a little bit more and a little bit more. And people go, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. Right? But nobody really says anything. It's it's like it's like the whole thing we just talked about in the first segment about geopolitics, right? Everybody knows there's something wrong, but nobody wants to say anything. I'm not gonna be that guy. I will be the first one to stand up. Right? And so it's the same thing with the church. Nobody wants to be the first one to stand up. And if I stand up, you know, I'm going to do it anonymously. Or I'm going to do, I'm going to do it on social media, but on some days I'm going to go to the local Novus Ordo. But I'm not going to hold hands during the, uh, the Our Father. Or I'm not going to raise my hands to the sky like I'm a Protestant, like trying to grasp at the Jacob's Ladder and climb it. Uh, I'm not going to shake hands and hug each other. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to go to the Novus Ordo. I'm going to go to the Novus Ordo because it's easy, right? And because I've got to go to church every Sunday because I was told I have to go every Sunday. And a lot of people gave me a lot of flack for saying you don't have to go to church every Sunday to Mount Nomer. That's a modern era thing. If you can't get to a decent mass, it is better to stay home. And people said, you're crazy. Well, what's worse? Well, what well, staying home? So, so, what about the third commandment? What about you know you will keep holy the Sabbath and holy days, and you will reverence God on on Sunday? How do you how do you uphold the the third commandment? This was a question that we were faced with during the lockdowns, when they took well, the mass away from you. You the third commandment didn't go away. So, what do you do to uphold the third commandment? Do you not have a missile at home? Do you not have a book of prayers, uh, a traditional book of prayers? Do you not have a rosary? Do you not have any of these things at home? Do you, do you not have the capability to do that? Let's, let's go back 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Did the average Catholic have the ability to go to a mass every Sunday? No. It would have taken them a half a day, if not more, to get to the local church. What did they do? Were they, were they bad? No, they kept the day holy. There are ways you can do that. And, and, and everybody says, well, you know, during the COVID, everybody said, yeah, you can't not go. But if you can't, if you can't go on this particular time, you're traveling and there's no traditional mass that you can get to. Mm-hmm. You go to the SSPX, you go to uh, Old Rome, you go to any of these traditional movements, what are they going to say to you? When you go to confession and say, hey, Father, I didn't go to mass. He's going to say, why didn't you go to Mass? Well, I couldn't find a traditional church. The only thing was a Novus Ordo church. He's going to say, well, it's not really a sin. Did you keep the day holy? What did you do? How did you do it? You still have to go to confession. You still have to receive the Eucharist as much as you can. But would you say this? Would going to a mass on a Sunday being presided over by a female deaconess who just had two gay altar men on the altar, did that, did that 
carry your your Sunday commitment? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Most people are going to sit there and say, "Oh, Trad Patrick makes a good point." Yeah, I think I'm not sure what to do about that. Um, clearly, if you do something that is in mockery of God, you 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 shouldn't do it. Clearly, that's um, that's a big no no, right? But what do you do then? What do you? So the answer is, what do you do? So you asked me, what do you do? And I gave you the answer, right? I said, you've got a missile. You've got a, a traditional book of prayers from the SSPX, uh, whatever traditional order you follow. And you've got a rosary. Yeah. You turn off the TV, you put on your best Sunday dress, and you, you get together as a family, and you pray. Yeah. But the reality is what's happening in the church right now, this synod, Everybody says it's the destruction of the church. And I say, no. I say, no, it's not. It's the rebirth of the church. Because the more people that see what the Catholic Church is going to do, the more people that will not follow the Novus Ordo, will not follow what is going on, will turn away from it in droves. And they may get, they may get a whole bunch of Johns and Steves and Dave Rubens and his family of surrogate children and everything else. They may get all that. But what they're going to lose is greater. And what's going to happen is bishops and cardinals are old. They're dying. And the new ones coming up are going to say, hmm, this was all wrong. So everybody says this. What I believe, what I believe in the next 10 to 15 years, you will see a Pope come along who will be traditional, will be a, a pious attempt type of person, a pious attempt type of saint. But who's it? Why? That will undo all this. Okay, I I wish that that were the case, and I don't want to. I don't. Uh, again, we we bashed speculators in the first segment. I don't want to be a, a church speculator necessarily per se right now. Um, as you know, our, our 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 precious few minutes together, Trad Patrick here on the Crusade Channel, uh, are coming to a close. But I don't see anyone in the College of Cardinals that fits that bill. Zero there people. Any. Zero people. Zero men. There isn't any, but I just said, they're all old. They're all old. Yeah, I'm who, talking 15 years. Who's going to elevate? Yeah, okay, fine. You get you get Francis II on, on the worst case scenario, or yep. you get John Paul III, which is your best case scenario. I mean, uh, according to the neocons, or maybe you get a Benedict XVII, whatever, right? No, You're no, going to get worse. You're going to get worse than Francis right now. Okay. The so, next Pope, so, Francis has got maybe best five years. So you're going to get right? you're going to get Francis the second who's going to come in and create all these cardinals. Now Francis the first has already created like sixty percent of the cardinals. How who is he going to create them from? Who's he going to create them from? You see, that's the thing. You have a handful of, of priests right now, in my opinion, that are online that are big mouth and everything else. Right? There's a handful of them. But they're actually in the minority of the younger ones. So even if you pick a, a Jimmy Martin and a, and a, and a Bishop Kitar, right? <laughs> right. Even if you pick them, right? As these bishops and cardinals are aging out, 
they're going to have to be replaced. And there are guys who are sitting in the church right now. And I know some of them. Mm -hmm. They're very quiet. They're very smart. They're very tactical. There's certain things they won't do, but they're smart and they're tactical and they're waiting. And at some point, those guys are going to get elevated. Remember, we had popes in the past that we thought were going to be the most liberal pope ever. And they turned out to be the most conservative pope ever. So we have to be careful in this assumption because there are, and, and people get mad at me for saying it, there are still good priests in the Novus Ordo Church. There are still good priests in the Novus Ordo Church that want to do things traditionally. There are still ones there. And those guys are going to get elevated. Again, it's going to get worse. Believe you me, it's going to get worse. We're going to see our churches looking much like the Protestant and the Anglican churches with rainbow flags and everything else going on. You're going to see it. But God won't be mocked for long. And along will come a point when they will think, this guy's on our side and he's going to come in and he's going to go, no, no more. And so I have to have faith, right? As a Catholic, we have to have faith. And I think sometimes as Catholics, we get a little too black-pilled. And that's really kind of against being a Catholic is getting black-pilled. We, we have to have that faith. I'm not saying I follow Christ, believe me. I, 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 he's bad, but I know worse is coming. But I know at some point, the next guy is going to be old. He's going to be in his like 60s, 70s. And these guys are not healthy 60 or 70 year olds. These guys are out of shape, sickly guys. They're not going to be there for 30 years. They're going to be there five, 10 at most. And then that next guy is going to come along. We, we, I, I think it's like anything else. Either we, either we sit here and we continually tell ourselves it's all over, we're doomed. Or we believe Bishop Williamson, for example, who gave the, the uh, Ages of the Church. It's a great, great speech um, by Bishop Williamson where he goes through the Ages of the Church and he says, we're not even, we're not even close to the end. We're not even close to the end. And we're getting close to a time where it's going to get worse. But after it gets worse, it gets a lot better. And, and, I, and I believe Bishop Williamson. I think he's one of the best theologians we have. I think he's probably the only theologian we have left in the church. When we have, when we have Dominicans standing up and saying that the first, the first preacher of the gospel was a woman at the well. It's not true. It's not true because that undermines the apostles to give way to, to, to the sacred feminine. And I use that term because it's a pagan term, the sacred feminine. And that's what's coming. I said this years ago, you know, I did female deaconesses are coming. And I believe that they are going to come out of this synod. And I believe Francis is going to allow it because he's going to have no choice.
Well, there. I mean, there you have it. The um, uh, the, the predictions of the so so. Bottom line, real quick. Final question. Expect nothing relevant today. Expect nothing from anybody today on how to navigate uh, the the Jewish and Palestinian conflict, the Russian Ukrainian conflict, the coming Chinese and American conflict. Expect no sanity from Rome or from anyone with a red hat. Is that basically what what to expect? I believe it is. I believe that we have we have no sanity in politics, and we have no sanity in religion anymore. I think it all comes down to numbers. It all comes down to strategic alliances. So the global powers are are strategizing and the global churches are strategizing. And what this all ends up in is a unitarian environment. And that's where it, 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 go back to any dystopian novel that you've ever read in your life. And where does it start? With where we are today, where does it end up? Unitarianism. Where does that lead to? It leads to conflict and war, which leads to rebirth. And that's, I, I, I believe that that is the stage that we're at. I believe we're at the stage today where the, the governments don't care about the people and the churches don't care about the people. They put on a facade and, and everybody's going to get mad at me. And they're going to go, mm, that's not Catholic. No, I'm very Catholic because I believe that the church has abandoned its flock for wokeness because they see wokeness as a way to strategically align themselves with the global government powers. When are you going to get a show here on the crusade channel? I just want to know when that's happening. It needs to happen. We need to hear more from Trad Patrick. Thank you so much for joining us from wherever you are. You don't have to disclose it. I'm not going to ask. Egypt. Joining us from Egypt, Trad Patrick, Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Tomorrow, Friday, is open line Friday. That's what Rush said it was. We're going around the world. God bless you. Thank you for listening. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com.